is the Black Men Building Wealth Virtual Conference coming February 2020. You ready? It's lit. Tweet so let Episode 28. Jumping right into it, man. Number 28, like Marshall Falk. Or or the old school Melvin Gordon. Last episode for 2019. Yeah, yeah. Getting ready for that 2020 vision. <laughs> Yeah, man. I'm going to say goodbye to the, the old and to the new. Yep. And you said, started off this first tweet, I talk big talk so I can walk big walk. You said the borrowing talk shit. Man, that's a Dame Dash quote. Um Sometimes I just fire him off and I don't get a chance to cite the author. But I was watching a Dame Dash thing and he was talking about how, like, he says a lot of stuff and he puts a lot of ideas out there and talks about what he's going to do. And when you do that, you kind of have to live up to it. If you are somebody who kind of feels a certain way about yourself, um, you, you kind of force yourself to take the actions necessary to get to that other side. So it's kind of a way to trick yourself into taking action. Mm-hmm. And on the other side is you get the results. So, I mean, for us, it's kind of like even the vending machine thing. It's like, I put it out there. Now I got to close on it. So um, contract should be sent over, I think tomorrow. And we'll be getting that thing rolling. Um, the barbershop, I put it out there. People are looking. It's like, I can't look like a failure. I can't get what I, what I said I'm going to do done. So um, I, I think it's, I forget who said it, but I mean, I think that it kind of is, that scripture where it says your world is formed by the words of your mouth. And when you put it out there, you got to live up to it. Um, and you also got to speak those things that be not as though they are, because as you put things out into the universe, then you have to kind of manifest and walk into those things. Otherwise you're like, Oh, he just talks or, Oh, he's just fake or, Oh, he's just that. So that's kind of, kind of why, but it was just cool to see the Dame Dash kind of lives by that same principle. Um, I listen to a lot of Dame Dash, I listen to a lot of Kanye, and I hear things that I believe in and I walk in, and I'm like, wow, that's so crazy. Or um listening to Dr. Clyde recently, and I realized like a lot of his stuff, a lot of the stuff I talk about are things that I got from his literature just a while back. So, I mean, group economics and building your own communities and um, bouncing the black dollar, a lot of those are ideas I got from him. I just so happened to kind of have gotten it years ago before he got on The Breakfast Club. Right, that that Breakfast Club interview with Dr. Claude Addison, that was a good one, recent one. I was surprised yeah. when they said he that was the first time he was on there. I thought he was on there before. Yeah, me too. I thought so too. Um, I guess not. We see him so often. I see Dr. Boyce Watkins right. brings him on his channels a lot. And then he's been on the Rock Newman show a lot, but he hasn't been on that. I thought he'd been on there too. I was like, are they sure? I'm pretty sure he's been on some of their episodes, but I guess not. Yeah, I thought he was on there at least one time. Yeah. But for those listening, for sure, if you've never read it, definitely get Powernomics by Dr. Carl Anderson. My favorite um, quote from that book is where he talks about power being the ability to get things done despite resistance. And mm-hmm. it's so dope to me because everybody always talks about like, oh, well, racism. Well, that's resistance. Racism is just resistance. It's not an infallible, like, insurmountable obstacle it's just resistance it's wind you got to push against the wind um so it's like we're not saying that the the opposition is not going to be there we're not saying that they're not going to play defense that they're not going to pass laws but power is to get things done even if they put those barriers up you still got to find a way to get it done otherwise you'll be a little b yeah man yeah it's lit hold on, hold on, hold on. i gotta take a picture of this That's <laughs> dope, man. it's lit Taught capital in the building. You got, I see you wearing the taught acquisitions. Yeah, polo this week. It's a movement. Ah, oh. come to Todd Capital. That's dope, man. Yeah, man, gotta do it up. Um, 2020 should be big. 2020 should be big. I don't see why not. Gotta 
talk that big talk. So we can right. walk that big walk. And um, you know what that was funny about when I was watching the Dr. Pat called Anderson uh, interview, when he said um, they took your wealth, you know, black people, and he said they took your labor, your labor is your wealth. I was like, whoa. Charles we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that on one of the older episodes. But if you have nothing else, you at least have your labor. And and, and these days, what's crazy about it is you still get your labor in the af in the off hours. So yeah, you might work for them the nine to five, but I think that's the opening. That's kind of where they allow people to get in. Is now you can work your weekends. Now you can work in the evenings, and you actually have more time off the job than you have on the job. And it's, it's just so crazy when he was saying that, that's what I thought, like, man, like, you still have your labor at nighttime. You still have your labor on the weekends. So it's kind of like we were talking about. It's an economic principle, labor theory of value, where everything is based on how much labor it requires to get something done. And so it's, what's so crazy is like a while back, slave masters used to own you, but they didn't just own you nine to five. They owned you the entire day. And so... um yeah, you. The, the it's just so crazy. Like they owned your labor. Now you own your labor. What are you gonna do with your labor? Are you gonna be a little bee? Or are you gonna use it to create a business in the off hours? Or are you gonna use it to go do some work on the end? Are you gonna start a business? Like there's, if you got that, and we all have it. That's we all have wealth if we just knew how to tap into it and knew how to do something else. Like I look at like people close to me. Like you guys are wasting your time. Like. I wouldn't be able to do what I do if I didn't tap into my off hours, if I didn't tap into my weekends and my evenings. I couldn't live the life that I live. It'd be impossible. And so I see other people around me who were just like, they go to they go to work, they come home. They go to work, they come home. Like, bro, like that same skill is a consulting job. That same skill is a course. What they teach on your job, you can package it up and put it on the internet and make passive income from it. What they teach you on your job, you can package it up and sell it and bring in people. I'm starting a consulting program right now where I'm going to just start helping people buy rental properties. And so I'm going to walk with them step by step. They're going to pay me a monthly retainer. And that's going to allow me to walk away from the job 100%. If I desire to do so, I might just allow to let my wife walk away from her job. But like that all comes from my mind. And I'm not sure if you're going to get there, but I always talk about how like, I make more money from my mind than I make in real estate. Real estate is cool, but like the ability to package up my education and all these different snippets, like, oh, this is an options trading workshop. Oh, this is this. Oh, this is this. Oh, this is this. I make enough money to do whatever I got to do now. And like, that is the education. I make more money. I made uh, a few thousand last week. I'm not going to make a few thousand in real estate this month. Mm. And that's just because I decided, hey, I'm going to create this. I'm going to sell this. I'm going to put it out there, the podcast. I'm going to create this. I put it out there. The podcast brings in money. The Porsche is bringing money. The consulting brings in money. Like, that's all mindset. That's not even, you don't have to get a loan for that. You don't have to get pre-qualified to do that. But that's also labor. I got to take the time to create the PDFs, to create the PowerPoints, to create all that stuff, to then upload it and then sell it. That's labor. But if you do the work once, you get paid forever if you do it right. Right. You also said, you said, build products around what you're doing. I was a terrible entrepreneur when I was chasing money. I became a great one when I started selling my specialty. That's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, the build, the build products around what you're doing. That was another podcast I was listening to. I forgot who said it, um, but I kind of co-opted it for myself. And I realized like, man, back in the day when I was just chasing money, I was out there trying to create a business whatever you call that, because I knew that wealth followed a business. And so I was like, okay, well, any business will do. No, any business will not do. I needed to create a business that is my, my ethos. It's my being. And that's real estate and finance and investing. I do it 24 seven. If I'm not doing this, I'm watching, I just got finished watching multiple real estate videos. I do it subconsciously. And so that allows me to take that to market, which then allows me to make more money as opposed to saying, I'm going to sell ties because they like ties. And I think that everybody has that lane. Everybody has that specialty. Whatever you do, you could be a management consultant. You could be a leadership consultant. You could be a speaker. You could be all these different things. But you just got to take your being and take it to the market and skip the middleman. I said this earlier. I was like, if you don't think somebody's going to hire you, your job already has. Somebody needs your skill set. You might just not know how to do how to find it because maybe you aren't the best marketer. 
social media has allowed us to become marketers. Right. I thought it was so funny. Um, I had a, I had an old supervisor that he was getting ready to leave the job. I was asking him like, what he's going to do? He's told me he's going plan to go back to school and this and that. Did you have another job? He said no. Yeah, you know, and I said, you ever thought about becoming a consultant? Because he told me a lot of stuff. Black guy too. Told me a lot. He was teaching me a lot of stuff. I thought he was pretty knowledgeable. He was a good teacher. I said, you thought about becoming a consultant? And his face was like, he and he definitely never thought about it. And he just could not see it. It's like I hit him with ice water. And he started talking about, you know, degrees. He didn't have did some kind of degrees or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you know the stuff. Like, they're paying consultants to come teach us stuff. Like, you know the stuff. What's the we, difference? What do you need a degree for? We, we talk ourselves out of wealth. And that's why I always talk about how, like, um, well, I said this before and got a slander. And Kanye then came and said something similar, but I was talking about like the only thing that kept slaves on the plantation was their mindset. And people would say, oh man, I can't believe you said that. And they were going in on me. They were dragging me like, oh man, they had horses and they had dogs that could sniff for people and oh, they had guns. And I was like, bro, like horses, really? Y'all scared of some horses? Y'all scared of some dogs? Y'all scared of, of a rifle that could shoot one shot at a time? Not machine guns, not any of that stuff. But that's what you guys are afraid of. But I think that was even an indication that I was right because that mentality of finding all the ways that you can't or finding all the risks or finding all the fears or finding all the things are the reason why you got to stay on the plantation or why they should have stayed on the plantation was just their slave mentality speaking out. And so I say that because a lot of people will do that. They'll say, oh, I can't start my own business because I don't have any money. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not this. I'm not that. And so they stay on the plantation. And so that's why I said, like, slavery is a choice. It's a mindset. You chose to stay there. You chose the fear. You chose the, the unwillingness to take action and step out into the unknown. Like, you chose that safety and that security. Being a slave was comfortable. It might not always been fun, but if you stuck to your job and you did what they told you to do, you had food, you had clothing, and you had shelter. And there's a lot of people out there just sticking to the job and doing what they're supposed to be doing so they can get food, clothing, and shelter. Back in the day, they weren't just beating slaves. They were beating slaves who rebelled. They were beating slaves who weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing or were doing what they thought they were supposed to be doing. And so, like, slavery kind of looked comfortable to all those people. Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman said the slaves didn't know they were slaves. Harriet Tubman, during slavery, said, I could have freed more if they knew they were slaves. New mindset. Another thing is, like, a lot of those slave camps, it wasn't like, it wasn't like there's walls and borders up. Like, no, like, they were just like, don't go out there. You go out there, something's going to get you. If you go out there, we got slave catchers that are out there to get you. And so, like, they just, they kept them there mentally conditioned, not even necessarily physically conditioned. How does one or two or three slave owners and handlers keep 10, 15, 20 people there? Mindset. They do the same thing for you. You got one boss, he keeps you there on mindset. Oh, you can't do it without me. I've had to leave jobs because they're trying to, I noticed they're trying to, like, stunt me they're telling me what i can't do what's not possible what i'm not good at what i can't do and i was like bro i gotta go that's why i say you gotta be the boss somewhere because if you're just nine to five you're gonna limit yourself because it's it's not up to you to have all the all the answers at my boss and my business is up to me to have all the answers yeah and this other tweet you said down the same road again the last one the money you make when you create your own over the money you make when you get them to bring you into what they own. Yeah, 100%. I don't know what the foundation of that was. Man, I wish I, I remembered. But basically, I was saying that, like, uh, I can't remember the, the premise, but mostly it's uh, when you go out there and you launch and you create your own business, you get all the upside. When you fight for them to let you in, you get all the downside. <laughs> I can't, I don't know that I I knew I had a basis, but basically what you're saying is like, you make more money when you start your own versus when you try to get them to let them into yours. And we do it all the time. We're like, Oh man, it might've been a voice. It might've been off of the Dr. Clyde. He was talking about how we had our own bus lines and how we, we gave up having our own bus lines just to sit in the front of their bus. 
However, when you think about this, it's really interesting how that works because the people that were riding the bus didn't own the bus. So, so for them, it didn't matter. For the owners, it mm. did. For the owners, it was everything. We're talking about two different segments of black people, I think. And a lot of times we like to make it seem like all blacks are created equal and all blacks had similar situations going on in America. Because I'll never forget, I was reading this book, um, David and Goliath, and he was breaking out how um, when Martin Luther King Jr. was doing all this protest, it actually wasn't as massive of a movement as you would think. He strategically placed it on Sundays when people were getting out of church. And so they would kind of just morph their way into this movement. Anyway, there's this picture where um, there's a guy, there's a kid getting bit by a dog. I'm sure you've seen it where like the officers yes, holding the dog. Yeah, and basically the, the boy who's in that picture wasn't supposed to go down to the um, to the, the marches. He actually came from a successful conservative African-American family that owned multiple newspapers. And they, were, they weren't even really for the Martin Luther King movement. They were just kind of like not really for it. And what I found that's interesting is that there are conservatives, there are business owners, and they weren't for the movement. Everybody wasn't for the MLK movement, not like they like to make it seem. MLK movement, when it was just like, they always say like, oh, when he was just talking about um, social justice and inclusion, like they were cool, like, oh, let them talk, let them talk. But then when you started to actually talk about economics, they're like, ah, my bro, like you gotta <laughs> cut that down. But there are right. already people that are winning in ep economics. We were doing well economically. We could have existed and had what we had with our own schools. Now our schools are terrible. And I think that's very interesting. Like in, back in the day, they would always complain like, oh yeah, we got the worst books. We got this, we got hand-me-downs. Like at least your schools were safe. Kids don't even want to go to school now. They got the books in the schools and their schools are filled with violence. Their schools are filled with dropouts. Their schools are filled with drugs and people don't even want to go. Like kids don't even go anymore. It's not even safe to go to those schools. Back in the day, safety was not an issue like it is now. Back in the day, we didn't have hoods and ghettos and crime and all that stuff like we do now it was a community back in the day because we had an economic base back in the day we don't have an economic base so therefore we have no base we just have a bunch of delinquents yeah i never thought about it like that um the people riding the bus they didn't stand to lose anything mm -hmm. they didn't stand to lose anything when the, uh, the black companies shut down yeah they did not lose anything mm. That's interesting. It was like you said, businesses get you rich, jobs get your boss rich. <laughs> I was talking to my wife about that because um, well, I was watching this Instagram video and there's this couple and they were celebrating Christmas and um, apparently they're entrepreneurs. I'm not sure what kind of business, um, but she like was playing a prank on her husband. And so like she took him out to a car and it was a fake car and the car was fake, but she had the cash to give him to buy the car. So she showed him a fake car and then she's like, aha, and then she gave him the cash. But I was telling my wife, I was like, this year's going to be a big year for us. I was like, we have a lot of things going. The barbershop is doing what it's supposed to be doing. The vending machines are going to do what they're supposed to be doing. The homes are going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. The consulting company, all this stuff is going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And like, we need even more businesses. I'm like, what, what can we buy next? We're looking at some mobile homes now. I'm supposed to be putting a, that, uh, that laundry company inside of Watts. And I was like, this is crazy. I was like, the more businesses that we get, the more successful we get, the more wealthy we get. And like, she works a job right now, but I'm like, the business is going to allow us to, to live the life that we want. The job will never do that. Like I said, the business generates thousands per week. The job generates thousands per month. And that's why I've always kind of been a very bad employee because I knew, I knew like, you're not going to make big money on the job. It's just not by design. Your boss is going to make big money, but you're not going to make big money. And so that's not a bad thing. You just got to know what you know. And so now I kind of balance it. I work hard on the job, but I also work hard on my business and I have the ability to do the, to do so. I was thinking about this today, though, when it was really crazy. And I was like, when I was in college and law school and grad school, it's crazy because when you're in college, for example, you're not working, but you do a lot of extracurricular activities and you do all that stuff and it doesn't make you any money where you're like a part of this club and that club, or you're in this organization, this association, you do all that stuff and it doesn't make you any money. I used to leave early in the morning and then get back home late because I had meetings for this club, meetings for that club, meetings for this organization, this social, that social, this whatever. And I was like, I do the same stuff. I'm that active now, but everything I touch makes me money. 
every single thing I touch is a source of income in my life. And so I just found that that was kind of interesting. Like the businesses that we build and it, it just takes launch and put it out there. A lot of people are afraid to launch and put it out there. Even us on this, on this podcast, we should have been had sponsors. We should have been had people that are paying us to do this. We got to do it. Even if it's not like a paid sponsor, it can be an affiliate. Even if it's just more filler sponsors, we got to do something. We got a 10 X. We got to go hard in the 2020, no breaks in 2020. We might not have Donald Trump in 2020. <laughs> Hopefully we do, but no breaks, no breaks. We got to go after it like relentlessly, We'll be right back. Okay. And you said that, um, bring me to this next tweet, two tweets. So laughter, well, you put out a blog post this week, laughter is fuel. And you had a tweet saying, people laughed at Elon's truck. They will laugh at you too. A lot of folks losing because they don't want to be laughed at. So they avoid putting themselves and their ideas out there. Yeah, I think it was really spawned by maybe Twitter. Twitter has really been kind of weird these days. And I found, like, you'll tweet something, or you'll say something, and, like, people will laugh at it, and they'll make fun of it. And then they'll get other people to laugh at it and make fun of it. And so, like, I'll put stuff out there. I can't think of what it was specifically, but, like, I mean, I never. I remember when I was talking about a private police company. And I was like, hey, if you guys don't want to get shot by cops, maybe you should create a private police company. Ah, you can't do that. Ah, that's stupid. Bad idea. Trash. Delete this. And and then I saw when Elon introduced the truck, and there is a dude, the god of Kalmar's dude. He's a troll, very terrible person. And he was like, oh, man, you guys got to check out this Elon thing. He's losing it. He's doing so terrible, blah, 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 because I guess he threw the – they threw the rock at the window and it broke. And then the next day he gets like a hundred thousand orders. And so what I realized is like, these motherfuckers don't want you to win fam. And so they're going to laugh at you. They're going to try to pull you down. They're going to say it's not possible. They're going to hate on you, but you still got to do it anyway. My thing is sometimes we can hear the laughter and we can get, get discouraged. Sometimes we can get discouraged because we don't want to hear the laughter. But when iPhone came out with the phone with no buttons, People are like, that can't work. It has no buttons. Now, every phone has no buttons. Now, we have other devices with no buttons. Um, there's countless stories. I can go on and on about things that were new and innovative and creative. People brought out there and idiots laughed because they don't know any better. A lot of people don't think that it's recursive what everybody else is saying. They don't think. That's why the media can influence them because they literally – they don't even have the capacity to think. That's what reading does for you. Reading teaches you how to think. Law school teaches you how to think. All these different things teach you how to process information and come to your own conclusion, not just a conclusion that's agreed upon by the masses. That's why Kanye can come to his own conclusion. And that's why he's a billionaire. Billionaires come to their own conclusion. Sheeps, employees, nine to five workers, single family home buyers, people who do what everybody else is saying, they don't think, but they're quick to cancel somebody. They're quick to tell somebody, oh, hey, your thinking doesn't fall in line with the masses. Therefore, we must strike you down. And what I realized is like, that's what the media and the masses want you to do. They want everybody thinking the same thing. They want everybody doing the same thing. And so if you aren't inside of that, we got to strike you down. If there are more Kanye's, we'd be in a different society because we'd have more people who are out there actually doing all the different things that he's outlining. And, he's, and it's obviously working. Kanye has been counted out time and time again. He was counted out when he left Nike. They're like, oh, man, you're never going to find somebody who's going to support you like Nike. You're an idiot. You're losing. You're leaving Nike. That's stupid, man. You're, you're so dumb. They went for days. I'll never forget. They slammed him like to the heavens when they left Nike. Hmm. Boom. Gets Adidas. Even bigger than Adidas. Even bigger than, than everything now. Kanye, um, when him and Jay-Z didn't work out, they probably thought that that wasn't going to work out for him. He's went on to do even bigger and better. When he got married to Kim, they're like, oh, that's not going to work out. He's a great husband. They have a great family. They have great kids. I find that like when you do what you want to do, people are going to talk shit. And that's my MO. I do what I want to do. And a lot of times I do it because I've read, I've researched, and I've found the solution that most people haven't read or researched or found. And I'm operating in that lane. And then they come and they find it and they're like, oh yeah, smart idea. I don't know if you're going to bring up this too, but I tweeted something where I was like, I say stuff, people argue with it. And then I come back and they're doing it. Then I come back even later and they're talking about it. And so like you bring up a new and innovative idea like real estate, 
for the longest time I was arguing real estate, for the longest time I was arguing entrepreneurship, for the longest time I was arguing doing for self, longest time I was arguing accountability. Now it's like it's like everybody's talking about that on Instagram, so and 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 Twitter. Yeah, when uh, when you first started talking, Kevin, on talking about Detroit, were people making fun of you about that too? One hundred percent. Everybody's like, "Why would you invest in Detroit? Detroit's this, Detroit's that." I would never do that there. But the thing is, is like I even know a guy. I work with a guy. He's from. He's a lawyer from Detroit, and he is so afraid of Detroit. He did, he didn't even invest in there, but now he's like, I don't know why I didn't invest there. It's like because you only you can't see the opportunities that are before you. All you know is what happened six months ago. I don't know what happened six months ago. I don't know what happened twelve months ago. But like he, it's so like we just think so different. But yeah, everybody was hating on it. Now more people are starting to get into it. Now more people are. It's kind of ruining the opportunity a little bit. <laughs> Too many yeah, people sure. know about it. Right. But yeah, I'll never forget. I posted. I was somebody hit me up on like Christmas Eve and it was really dope. And she, I don't know if I should release this, but she was like, Hey, um, I, I was looking to see if um, you have space on your calendar to get Jay Morrison on your podcast. And I was like, I absolutely have space for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I scrolled up and I was looking and I saw one of her posts because she had sent me a post and she was like, Oh yeah. Hey, I just bought my first property in Detroit thanks to you bringing light to the opportunity. And I scrolled up even more and I saw another post that she wrote. She said, you're investing in Detroit. Why would you do that? I heard terrible things about Detroit. It was just so funny to see the timeline progress. Right. So sometimes when people send me like a, a DM, I scroll up to other DMs they had sent me. I get a lot of DMs. A lot of people send me stuff. Um, but it's just funny to see the progression. Sometimes like they'll send me a DM based off of my Instagram story and I'll scroll up to see what else they kind of send me a DM for. But yeah. That's, cool. that's how that's how you know you're getting into opportunity. I always talk about like if you, if they aren't laughing, you're headed towards average. Because mm. if you're doing what they're doing, where would they laugh? Exactly, exactly. But my whole life, I've been doing outside of what everybody's been doing, um, and I've kind of like people always circle back around. Like I have people like when I was in college. I was the only person with the degree in finance. And that's kind of what makes my degree viable because most people don't have degrees in finance. I was the only person who, um, so many different things, I can't really think of it, but I find that it's unfortunate, but I come from a different kind of black family. And most, how do I say this without being offensive? But it's not better, it's just different. And what the problem is, most people, when they see that you're black, they expect you to be the stereotypical black person. They expect you to be all these different things. And then when you're not, you kind of become an outsider. And so I've been an outsider for the longest time, so much so that I've just kind of embraced it. But people tend to kind of see that it was working. I can't think of, I mean, even like getting married, staying married, doing all that stuff or all the different things that I've done. I'm even just going, I don't know, just so many different things, but it's it's just interesting. Yeah, and speaking of slander, I always think it's funny. <laughs> All right, so you had this tweet. Um, I knew you were gonna bring this one up. Sex isn't worth your sanity, your salary, or your freedom, fam. Choose life, not lust. Mm -hmm. And anytime you say stuff like that, they come at you crazy. I think it's so, honestly, I think it's really sad when I see people say like, oh, you could tell you didn't get none in, in high school. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> like, like, what? I didn't, I, didn't see, I didn't see that one, but people say some crazy stuff. No, I've seen, them say it to you, I've seen them say it before. Like, anytime you say oh, yeah. something that they don't think is cool, it's like, ah, oh, you can tell you was a lame in high school. You can tell yeah. you never got none. You didn't. <laughs> Man, what are you all talking about, man? Right. I didn't like high school, by the way. But, yeah, it's crazy what people say. Um, yeah. Some dumb stuff. Twitter is a weird place. It's gotten weirder lately. I feel like when I, like, fell off and came back, it got more weird. I don't know. I definitely don't understand it. <laughs> 
this we don't understand it but um yeah so you will say um two tweets selfishness stunts you and you can't build a community if only one person is getting money that's why i promote all of you i need us all getting money yeah um i feel like when you are a giver i always talk about it like when you give you grow and so a lot of the reason why I have to do so much is because I take care of a lot of things, but there's people who don't take care of a lot of things. So they don't have to do as much, but the problem is they don't get the benefits that come with doing a lot. So think about this. If you, if you had four jobs, would you get one time the money or would you get four times the money? You get four times the money. So, a lot of people, they think they should get four times the money, but they only do one times the job. A lot of people really only doing one time the job. And so for me, like I've just found that when you put yourself under that pressure to give, you have to expand because you can't give to a lot of people and still maintain your lifestyle and still be able to take care of other people. And then you look up and you have all these different things clicking and growing. And so that's why I always look for an opportunity to give because giving is only going to make you bigger because when you kind of, if you're a dope person, and you artificially go without, you tend to have to be, go even harder. Like most of us, like when we run against difficulties, we go harder, we don't go smaller. A lot of people, what they do is they shrink to their problems. It's like the book says, like rich people are bigger than their problems and poor people are smaller than their problems. Rich people are bigger than their problems because they choose to be bigger than their problems. And so as you create lack in your life, you tend to grow. That's why Grant Cardone says, stay broke. Stay broke. If you're a dope person, like people think that people who are rich, are just like rich by luck. I'll never forget all this. Today I was watching this, um, this show about a $38 million mansion. And he had a, he was doing the tour and he showed them the, the gym. And he was saying that a buyer of this caliber usually has a strict morning routine. And I was like, damn, I don't have a strict morning routine. I need to get one. <laughs> but also the fact that he even knew that was just like crazy because we always think that, we just think that people have it easy. We think they're just giving it. We think that they didn't work, they didn't sacrifice, they didn't hustle, they didn't do anything. We think that just like racism rains money down on them. Oh, and since you're white, here's some money for you. Here's some richness for you. Like, no, like they really do the work. And that's one thing I realized in growing up in the suburbs and going to different schools is these people don't live well by chance. They live well by choice they do certain things and they don't do certain things that allow them to do that, to live that well. And then I will look at like my cousins and certain people in my family who literally didn't do those things, didn't live that well, but they blamed everything else, but their choices and their habits. And so I forgot the tweet. <laughs> Is that you can't build a community if only one person is getting money. Oh, self, selfish extension and you can't build a community. So, yeah, and Black Wall Street, it wasn't just OW Drill Girl that getting paid for. There's a bunch of business owners there. There's a bunch of people doing well. And, like, my philosophy is, like, as my, my, my peers grow, so do I. Um, and so I, I, I always – and it's always just a good thing for me. Like, I like when I create an LLC, I want it to be a successful company. I don't just want to create your LLC, get your money, and it's like, okay, thanks for your money. And so, like, yeah. whenever I have clients – I'm always promoting their stuff. I'm always sharing their stuff. I'm always putting them out there. I want their business to win. Um, and so that's, I, I think, kind of a selling factor is like, if you want to not just go on business, but you want to win in business, I would recommend you go on business and you get me to help you set up your LLC because you're not just a transaction to me. It's like I always tell people, like when somebody in your community wins, your community wins. That's why, like, if you've ever been on the job, like there's your African-American supervisors tend to take a, a liking to you because a win for you is a win for them. Right. And so like for me, it's like it's multiple. It's like I want if you win, then I win. I could talk about, hey, I helped make this company successful. Another thing I was talking about is like in other communities, it's not just one person's responsibility to make that business become great. It's the community's responsibility because that business benefits the community. If it's, if it's successful, then everybody there's jobs, there's resources, there's food where there used to not be food. And that's what we have to take that approach. It shouldn't just be this is Charles's company. Good luck, Charles. No, it's our company. It's a team approach. Yeah, and going back to when you were talking about integrating the buses back in the day, and you were saying that the people who are riding on the bus 
didn't own the buses, so they didn't they didn't see where they were losing out. What they weren't thinking about was the fact that the black bus companies were hiring black drivers and mm -hmm. probably had black mechanics. It was creating jobs in the community. Once you enter, once you fought for integration, so you could sit at the front of white buses, white-owned buses, buses. They weren't hiring you. They would let you sit on the bus because they were forced to. Right. They'll take your money. But they weren't. They weren't hiring you. They weren't the doing nothing for you. One one derivative aspect of somebody. If, if, if working for a black company that hires you is there's a lot more security in that because sometimes if you get a job and you're African-American and you're in there, you never know how long that's going to last. Um, but if you are working for a black owned company, you can, you can build a family off of that. You can build a legacy. There is, it's, it's one thing to have a job. It's, it's another to have job security. And so job security is going to give you peace of mind. It's going to allow you to be more confident, more calm, a better father, a better husband, because you're not always looking over your back, always looking over your shoulder. And so group economics in a lot of ways isn't just about having enough money. It's also about having security and confidence and power. Um, so, yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, plus there's, uh, there's more of an affinity for people that look like you. There'll be more understanding and more patient with you. Right. It's so crazy. At my firm, I share an office with three other people. One dude is from Iran. He's an attorney. Another, and, and I share an office of two, uh, two other brothers. We hired two brothers. I think it's because of me. They're like, Charles is so dope. We should get more of him. <laughs> um, but what I found is like the Iranian dude doesn't get any of my references. Before, I shared an office with like three other Jewish dudes, and it was cool. I kind of fit into their culture. We go eat their food and whatnot. But now, those guys left, and they brought in some brothers, and so we listen to what we want to listen to. We make references. They get my things I say. They listen to the same music. They know the words, and it's, it's different. Like, the goal is to start our own firm, have our own culture, our own firm, firm culture. Um, we were talking about that one day at lunch, and as I was walking out the door, we walked by, like, a young man who was sitting over there, and I was like, he could be working for our firm. And then I walk into the elevator and there's a brother in the elevator. He's like, oh man, you guys look good. I see you all in your suits. And I was like, we need that. Not uh -huh. because just, not just because of the money. It's not about the money. None of that is money-based. I didn't say, I didn't mention Gucci, Louis. We've been talking about wealth and, and economics. I have not mentioned buying expensive stuff the entire time we've been talking. We're talking about, we're talking about dignity. We're talking about being able to, not have to beg somebody else for an opportunity. That is priceless. That has nothing to do with Gucci and Louis. I'm talking about being able to make sure that your family is taken care of for generations. I'm talking about making sure your cousins have jobs, making sure your aunts and uncles have jobs and have homes and have safe uh, communities. None of that has to do with Gucci and Louis. But for some reason, we think that the wealth choice, the wealth chase is supposed to be about Gucci and Louis. Yeah, it was funny. I think it was uh, Black Wealth Renaissance, or maybe it was Xavier. They tweeted, uh, they had a tweet about, you got to change the way you think about the purpose of money or something like that. And they said, well, I asked a, like a eight-year-old, what's the purpose of money? And they say to buy stuff. And then I asked a 20-something-year-old and they say to buy, the purpose of money is to buy stuff. Like something is wrong with that. And somebody replied to his tweet and said, the purpose of money is always be to buy stuff. I'm like, man, you were really missing it, man. That really went over your head. Right. I'm glad. I don't know why Twitter's like that. I don't know why people on Twitter are stupid and argumentative, but they are. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the, the response because that's one thing I was thinking about is the person who responded is he was – he basically said, like, oh, you just the, – the things you buy change or something crazy. I don't know. F him. But, and you – real quick, you said uh, – you mentioned Gucci and Louis. You retweeted something from one of the Chargers, the San Diego the, – the Chargers football team, when they were doing, like, secret stand or exchanging Man. gifts, whatever. And the first thing you do, they show them pulling out these expensive sneakers. 
And the first pair I was looking at it, it was like spikes on it. I'm like, that's not really my stuff. I was like looking at it, it's kind of cool, kind of cool. Then they started pulling out Gucci sneakers. And I'm looking at them, I'm like, the Gucci sneakers are kind of ugly. Mm-hmm. Like, do they really like them because they're hot or just because they have Gucci on the side? Yeah. Because to me, they were both pairs were like ugly. I'm like, it's it's unfortunate because a lot of those dudes spend like they're gonna be rich forever, and statistics show that they're not. Um, it's very difficult to be an NFL athlete, especially these days, and be rich forever. Um, it just doesn't happen. You might be rich for the moment, but you're not gonna be rich forever, and it's very dangerous to spend all your money on high priced stuff. That's one of the things about like people getting rich, is like they a lot of times judge their richness based off of their current spending habits. So right now you might spend $30,000 a year. So you're like, cool, if I have $5 million, I'll be good forever. And then you make $5 million and you, sp- you start spending a million dollars a year on your house and your car and your shoes and your dinners and all that stuff. So it is unfortunate. Um, I think we got to get to these young players early. I thought that they were doing that, but apparently not. Apparently not. I mean, some athletes, you see them doing well with their money. But, I mean, the NFL is different, and I don't know, man. Yeah, they definitely have to have the mindset before they get there. Uh, I don't know. I know they try to do this little BS thing where they have somebody come talk to them when they're rookies and, like, for a day or so. But, I mean, these kids are, like, 20 years old, whatever. They're not really listening. Very young. Very young. They're not listening to somebody just come and talk to you for one day. I feel like the people who really, who really uh, kind of make it with their money is they they either just naturally cheat, fruit or frugal or whatever beforehand, or they usually come from like a middle class family. If not rich, they're like a middle class family. Yeah. So it's kind of like they already seen a little money. They already they already grew up in a house, a nice house, and had cars, and they had they've seen they've gone places. And they've done things and traveled a little bit, so they're not as impressed. They're like, oh, I got enough money, let me just go blow it or something. Because they've actually seen some stuff a little bit. Right. Right. You don't really see a lot of people like Steph Curry draped in Gucci and everything. His whole life he's had money. So, like, you really don't see that. You don't see Steph Curry in all Louis everything, all Fendi everything, just balling out trying to look like money. Um. And it's unfortunate sometimes, like you see in other communities where they'll get a pro athlete and they're not having to run back and take care of mom and take care of dad. Mom and dad are already taken care of. They're not having to run back and, I don't know, blow all their money taking care of people because those people already realize they can take take care of themselves. One of the benefits of not being born, quote, oppressed, is you don't have the luxury of sitting around talking about what you can't do. Like, if you (laughs) – you got to get up there and get it. Let's take a quick break. This is Elwood of Mindset Matters Tees. We offer merchandise with quotes that help shape your mindset. You can find us at www.mindsetmatterstees.com. Yeah, I remember a story. Um, I forget who it was. And they were saying they were teammates with Kyle Korver, the one he's a white player in the NBA. Eagle Dollar. Yeah, that's right. Andre Dell was telling that story. How Kyle Korver saw some of his teammates like talking about taking care of their mother and family members. And Kyle Korver was kind of like, Why are you taking care of your mother? Like she's a grown woman. Like, why are you taking grown adults? Because in his family, like his his yeah, I'm sure he had both parents and they both had jobs or whatever, and they had their own house and they were taking care of themselves. Yep. So he never saw any reason to to take care of them because they they were doing fine. Yep, yep, yep. You know, he didn't have that financial drain on him like that. But the crazy part about it is a lot of that has to do, and I've always kind of had this mentality, a lot of that has to do with the fact that his parents were married, not that his parents were white. Right. 
And a lot of us overlook that because I think if you look at the stats and the data, I want to say that, man, I want to say that like less than 10% of married black couples are living in poverty. Meaning like if you are married and you're black, you're doing well for yourself, um, which is interesting. As long as you marry right, some of these women mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> they crazy. Yeah, if you marry somebody decent, yeah. Two incomes, people that have good values. Mm-hmm. You're generally going to be all right. Right. Yeah. But, um, any more any more tweets? No, we're going to wrap it up. Well, I had one I had one, one that I wanted to ask you about. You said, despite the pricing, Los Angeles might be the smartest place to buy real estate for the right price. I was yeah. curious about that one. What made you say that? Well, there's just so much demand here. People want to live here. I was looking at I was looking at a multifamily property and it wasn't the best looking property, but it was in Los Angeles. And so, you know, there's always going to be be people living here. There's always going to be people that are willing to pay rent to live here or pay mortgage. And so in a lot of ways, demand is important. Um, I was talking to my wife and we're talking about getting a house for the baby. And I was looking at deals and I was like, everything is a deal when you have a long enough time horizon. If your time horizon is 18 years, you can overpay, you can break even, you can even take a loss on the rents. And a lot of people might be taking losses on rents pretty soon as this, as this market tends to kind of just be crazy. But I just, I just feel like, especially if you're buying certain parts, so we're looking in like some of the, the less desirable parts of LA, like Torrance and um, of course Compton, Linwood, the areas that are yet to be developed and yet to be million dollar valuations. We can buy something for like threes, put some money into it and sell it for like three or sell it for like five or six. Um, there's opportunity in LA. I mean, it's the second biggest, once it's the second biggest city in the country. Um, we have two football teams, two basketball teams, two baseball teams, two hockey teams. Like there's a reason why, there's a reason why we have that much. Um, the economy is unique because it's heavily entertainment driven. But I would say that, I mean, especially downtown LA, it's going to look nuts in downtown LA. So once that new building gets built up over by Staples and the new complex gets built out, new Ram Stadium, new Charger Stadium, they're going to put a new Clipper Stadium down there. Like, they're doing nothing but build in LA. So I can't think of any other area in the United States that's really doing stuff like that on that level. And so I think that, I mean, it's expensive. And I think in a lot of ways it's overpriced. But it still could be a good buy if you have the long enough time horizon. Well, I guess you could probably substitute that for uh, New York too. Yeah. If you get the right deal. New York is just nuts though. I If you have the right strategy, I guess. I've never been to New York, but like Manhattan, downtown, like that area, it just seems like overvalued. Yeah, but people are willing to pay it. Yeah, they are, especially that foreign money. Yeah, I mean, the rents people pay is... But the crazy part about it, and another reason why I said this, is like you see a lot of like almost anybody who's anybody has a house in L.A. Master P, P. Diddy, Jay-Z, Kanye, Kim Kardashian, um, Floyd Mayweather, um, all the actors and athletes. Like everybody has a house in L.A., which is crazy to me. Yeah. I remember that story Mr. Pete told, told about um, when he bought his house in L.A. And Shug said, like, the town ain't big enough for the both of us. And Pete yeah. was like, so when are you leaving? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so let's wrap this up. Uh, speaking of Torrance, we were talking about California, but shout out to Torrance Reed of HBCU Wall Street. Got to get him on the show. We'll get him on the show. Yep, yep. I remember when they had their first meetup in New York, and I was there. And I actually met a lady. She was originally from Detroit, but she was living and working in New York. And she was telling me how her father bought a house in Detroit to rent out for for her. It was like her and her father. It belonged to her and her father. She wasn't really gung ho about the idea, but her father was like, he wanted to get something for her. 
and he took care of it. He maintained it. And he, he wanted it for his daughter. And she was, I was telling her, like, man, don't talk about selling this place, man. That's like your inheritance. That's your, that's your future. Mm-hmm. But at least she has it. That's dope. Yeah. I thought it was crazy. It was like, wow, that's interesting, man. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. But shout out to Terrence. He'll be speaking at the Black Wealth Building Wealth Conference, virtual virtual conference. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. That's the Black Man Building Wealth Conference coming in February 2020. Shout out to sponsors, Mindset Matters Tees. Shout out to friends of the show, Terry Ijeoma. I'm an investor. Uh, shout out to Hood Estates. Shout out to Cousin Nita. Shout out to Erica Williams, Classy Klein. Shout out 24 Seven Watches. Shout out 17th Watches, Chris Johnson. Shout out to Xavier Miller and uh, all the other people that will be speaking, like Andre Hatchett and um, Julian. Julian Gordon will be speaking there? Yep. yep. Yes, sir. Shout out to all the speakers at the conference. And who else am I missing now, Charles? I don't know. I don't think you're missing anybody, but check out the website, oglesbeholding.co. Also check out thegumroad.com backslash talk capital. You can actually get to that site through oglesbeholding.co, oglesbeholding.co backslash store. Also check out the Talk Capital Millionaire podcast. We just released an episode with Julian Gordon. Hear his story, how he went from zero to 30 doors in about five years. Quit his nine to five and actually bought his mama house doing some really cool stuff. Um, yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Todd, actually at Partner with Billy. You can also <laughs> yeah. find it on uh, on Instagram at Todd.Capital. Yep, and also find the podcast on Instagram at Black Wealth Tweet Talk. Also find Blessed Black Man at Blessed Black Man on Instagram. Follow us, follow us on Twitter at Work Money Life and at Legend Billy. Hey, is that the right one right now? No, it's just Todd Billy right now on Twitter. Oh, Todd Billy at Todd Billy T O D D B I L L I and. You know, let's get ready for 2020. Episode 28. Yeah.